Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Podcast. This is episode 23. This is your host, Ben Curran. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Luciano. Mike, my friend, how are you today? How are you this week, in fact? How's your week been? Week has been good, Ben. Thank you for asking. How's your week been? You know, it's the usual mixture of uh, uh, insane summer heat, um, political insanity, racism, um, anti-vax conspiracy theories, and uh, screaming toddler. But other than that, you know, just pretty normal. Just another week in Trump's America. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to hit 109 degrees here. Anyway, but really, oh how, I am, how I am today is I'm a little confused, and maybe you can help provide some clarity on this. So, Talk to me. Talk to me, Mike. I'm here for you. Thank you. So there was an op-ed in Newsweek by some conservative lawyer who's suggesting that Kamala Harris – who, since we our last show, has been chosen by Joe Biden to be the Democratic vice presidential nominee. This lawyer wrote an op-ed in Newsweek suggesting that Kamala Harris, who was born in Oakland, California, isn't eligible to be on the ticket because her parents weren't citizens when she was born. And Trump was asked about this, and he seemed open to this ridiculous theory. This is a fringe theory, by the way. And said the guy was a highly respected lawyer or, or whatever he said, that, which is it's just a thing Trump says about a person when a person says something that he likes. And of course, Trump and Republicans, as we all know, also pushed the idea that Barack Obama wasn't eligible to be on the ticket either and be president because they said he wasn't born here. And I have never heard Republicans say this about any other presidential or vice presidential candidate. And I just can't quite put my finger on what it is about Kamala Harris and Barack Obama that would lead Republicans to say they're ineligible. What am I missing here, Ben? What am I missing? You know what? It must be because they were born in the 60s. That's right. They're the only two major presidential, vice presidential party nominees Born in the 1960s. Wait, no, wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. They also were senators? Yeah, but Joe Biden was a senator. Okay. All right. Uh, hmm, This is really tough. I don't know. I'm not sure. What could could it be about Kamala Harris and Barack Obama? Yeah, I can't think of any other similarities. You know what? It's the 60s. Well, of of course we spoof, but... It's it's incredible. It's like Republicans default is what? There's a black person on the national ticket. They must be ineligible somehow. Kamala Harris was born in California. End of constitutional analysis. Uh, Yeah, that's it. That's the conversation's over. The conversation's she was born in Oakland in 1964. Period. That's it. And really shame on Newsweek for even running this junk yeah, it was disgusting it was a disgraceful a disgraceful post they've they've sort of they've written a they've written an update to their to their piece uh in response to the backlash saying that it doesn't say what it does say but there you go yeah that i saw that, like the a couple of the editors came out defending it and just saying that you know as some arcane legal theorizing it's like get that shit out of here she was born in the united states she's a u.s citizen she's eligible to be president have a nice day Again, this is Trump's America. How easy was that to predict? 
how easy was that to predict that this was going to be the the path that they took? That Trump Trump then repeated it in a he was asked about it in a press conference, and Trump was like, I don't know. I don't know, like maybe. Like, yeah, he said, yeah, sounds legit, basically. <laughs> basically sounds legit. There might be something to it. Look into it, why don't you? As for the pick itself, I would have preferred Elizabeth Warren, but it was clear that Biden was strongly inclined to pick a woman of color. This pick is no surprise. I predicted that Harris would be the VP nominee a couple of months ago, and it wasn't exactly a bold prediction. I will say I'm glad that it's not Susan Rice. There was a hot second there where she seemed to be the favorite. And but Rice has just had like a problematic investment portfolio over the years, like big pharma, fossil fuels, including the company behind the Keystone XL pipeline, casinos owned by Sheldon Adelson. Uh, Also, her son is a big Trumper, which is weird. I am not a fan of Harris, but I have to say the attacks within hours of her being picked were so vile and they're going to continue to get worse, but they're so vile. I'm about ready to run through a wall for her. The right wingers have just been unreal in their attacks. We just mentioned the birther horseshit. Tucker Carlson pronounced her name wrong and was corrected by a guest. And Carlson just laughed in his face and kept pronouncing it wrong. He said something like, so what? So I'm going to produce his name wrong. Fucker Carlson. Fucker Carlson, <laughs> white supremacist, can take one of the sausages from his family's frozen dinners and shove it right up his ass. That's what Fucker Carlson <laughs> Then there was, there was Mark Levin went on a rant about how Harris isn't African-American because the black part of her is Jamaican, which is technically correct, but most Jamaicans are of African descent. And he also said that she has no connection to slavery as if that means she loses her black card or something like I, I don't know what he was going for there but somebody should also tell him that jamaica had a lot of slavery back in the colonial era laura ingram another another luminary of our time said that the fact that biden was uh, looking to pick a, ba- a black person in the first place was racism and then this might be my favorite ari fleischer You remember Ari. He was Bush's press secretary, lied to the public about the Iraq war and many other things. He's a pundit now instead of uh, being in prison in The Hague where he should be. Ari had this to say about Kamala Harris. He said she's just, quote, not historically exciting to African-Americans, end quote. And I don't know about you, but when I want to know what African-Americans think, I don't want to hear from Jesse Jackson or Stacey Abrams or Barack Obama. No, I want to hear from Ari fucking Fleischer, because who has a more astute finger on the pulse of black America than that guy? So this all happened. All of this stuff happened within mere hours of Harris being announced as the VP pick. And it's going to get way worse. And these are just yet more examples of the Republican Party and conservative media being a cesspool of racism and dumb fuckery. You know, it's also a sign of how desperate they are. I think they realise that this election is slipping away from them quite quickly, and um, they're fucking desperate to find literally any narrative that sticks on either Biden or, or Harris. You know, look, like say what you will about, about Kamala Harris. Not my first choice, 
I have issues with Biden and Kamala Harris, but again, like you said, I'm willing to I'm I'm willing to walk through fire to get these people elected. Right? It's that it's that dangerous right now, you know. But they, I think they're gonna have a hard time. I think they understand like also what's about to happen in the debate. Poor Mike Pence has got to go and debate Kamala Harris. I think I can't remember when the debate is. It's, it's reasonably soon, and it's not gonna go well for Mike Pence. I think it's pretty much a given, right? That he's gonna get his guts ripped out on live television. It's going to be pretty brutal. So I think they're kind of worried about that. I think that also Harris brings energy to the ticket. She's raised, She's. I think they raised $32 million in just over 24 hours, which is pretty spectacular. So they're, they're worried, you know, and what do you do when you're worried? You trot out the racism. You turn this into, I mean, Trump was always going to run this as a hateful racist campaign right or do whatever he could to turn this into the most hateful campaign ever but now putting a black woman on the ticket is just is basically green light for trump to to go completely apeshit on this speaking of trump's truly insane racism now did you see trump's tweet about cory booker and and uh, suburban housewives oh i sure did i think the world saw that tweet yeah so here, here this is uh this is El Comandante um, Trump, the suburban housewife will be voting for me. They want safety and are thrilled that I ended the long-running program where low-income housing would invade their neighbourhood. Biden would reinstall it in a bigger form with Cory Corey Booker, spelled wrong, in charge. What's the implication there? What's the implication? Suburban, okay, we can, we can translate that for the, for the listeners, not, the, not that they probably need it, but okay, the, the suburban housewife, white women, will be voting for me. They want safety. Translate that as they want to not live near black people and are thrilled that I ended the long running program where low income housing insert black people would invade insert black people, immigrants, brown people, their neighborhood. Biden would reinstall it in a bigger form with Cory Booker, big black man, uh, big scary black man in charge. I don't think the word scary has ever been thrown at Cory Booker. But yes, it is absolutely the implication of this. He's a massive teddy bear. But anyway, regardless, even if he wasn't a big teddy bear, the fact that it's just disgraceful. This has all of the suburban housewife, safety, invade Cory Booker, low-income housing. Basically, vote for me or black people are going to come and rape and rob you. This is less subtle than Nixon. Nixon was like racism light. This is racism heavy. You know how they have Bud Light and Bud Heavy? This is Bud Heavy. And it's just so blatant. They don't even try anymore. They don't even try. They just, there it is. You know, Reagan talked about welfare queens. We knew what that meant. But this is just like very in-your-face racist. You know, it's, it's a testament to how stupid Trump is, right? That he he can't, he he's not smart enough to dress this up, right? He just comes, and I guess you know, look, I mean, his base are, let's be frank here, his base are not particularly bright. They really are a bunch of racist idiots for the most part, which is going to segue into the, the main topic of this of this podcast, which is. Um, about whether Trump supporters are good people or not. But I think the evidence is pretty clear that Trump supporters aren't bright and they are racist for the most part. And I'm not saying that every Trump supporter is a racist. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just saying that most of them are. I, I think that's definitely fair. Before we seg into that, I swear the Republican Party and conservative media are more racist now than they were in, say, 2006 or 2007 before Obama ran for president, or at least their racism 
is more out in the open now than it was then. When Obama got elected, conservatives lost whatever was left of their goddamn minds. And outlets like Fox News found that otherizing the country's first black president was great for ratings because many of their viewers, like you said, are racist pieces of garbage. So they keep pumping out thinly veiled and and not even veiled racist attacks. It's why fucker Carlson can't stop going after AOC and Ilhan Omar and the squad. Bashing them is great for ratings. So I think the right is more racist now where they're just more open about it. I, I mean, after 9-11, George W. Bush said Islam is a religion of peace. And Ben, we've had debates about that. But regardless, Bush was trying to discourage bigoted attacks on you know Muslim Americans who were just minding their own business. And you fast forward to today, Trump's called Mexicans rapists. He's got the Muslim ban. And he's calling coronavirus the China virus, despite the ongoing there has been an uptick in violence and hate crimes against Asian Americans that's linked to to this association with Wuhan, China. And so the entire right wing political and media apparatuses now accommodate the president's most racist tendencies. And they either embrace them outright or they ignore them and pretend they don't exist instead of coming out and saying, no, Mr. President, this is extremely wrong. You shouldn't be saying this stuff. You shouldn't be doing this stuff. But instead, they just they enable it by either ignoring it or jumping on board. There's an article I wrote, actually. Actually, Bob, Bob wrote this in uh, 2015, right, about Trump supporters Right, being mostly idiots and racists. This is a poll that looked at Trump supporters' attitudes towards a whole host of issues, right? Finds that Trump is benefiting from a GOP electorate that thinks, and this is not just, okay, this is not even just Trump supporters. These are Republicans, right? Benefiting from a GOP electorate that thinks Barack Obama is a Muslim and was born in another country and that immigrant children should be deported. 66% of Trump supporters believe that Obama is a Muslim to just 12% that grant he's a Christian. 61% think Obama was not born in the US to 20.1% who accept that he was. And 63% want to amend the constitution to eliminate birthright citizenship to only 20% who want to keep things the way they are, right? This is Trump's base. This is who Trump is speaking to on a daily basis, right? And they're not very sophisticated. They're not very bright at all. And he just throws them red meat all the time. And he doesn't even bother to, to hide it at all, hide it or disguise it. It's one of these things, it's like, you know, is Trump a racist? I mean, it almost doesn't even matter whether he's a racist or not. Because he he uses racism, right? He uses racism to whip up fear and hatred, and he uses it to whip up his base. And we're we're sort of in uncharted territory here, really, in terms of just at least not not in my lifetime, not in the last fifty years has 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 a politician been this a president been this nakedly racist. You know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't think of anything. I mean, look, we all know that you know Ronald Reagan was a was a closeted racist for sure. You know, he called Africans monkeys and he used the N word in private. I think on phone calls with Richard Nixon, who was a racist too. But yeah, they at least they bothered to sort of. I don't know. Is it a good thing? Maybe it's a good thing that they that that um, that Trump's just coming out with it now. At least we get to see where he is and where the party is. You know. I mean, I've always, I always struggle with that. Is this a good thing is, or, 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 or is it, you know, should we keep suppressing it or should we just let it all out? It's an interesting question. 
you would like to think that having it out in the open would be a good thing because then people would see them for who they are and say, oh, no, I don't want to be associated with that. The problem is Republicans aren't leaving in droves. They're sticking around, they're enabling this behavior by ignoring it, or they're joining in on it. So you would like to think, yeah, if we can get all the racists out in the open, they'll be pariahs in society, except they hold the power. And people- The heroes. Curry. They, yeah, so the Republicans, they want to curry favor with Trump because he's in power. No matter what he says, no matter what he does, he can do anything. He can say any racist thing. He could ignore you know, Russian bounties and American soldiers. He can try to steal the election. It doesn't matter. There's no low, low enough for these folks. <laughs> You know, everyone's been given permission to just be like, yeah, you know what, fuck it, I do hate black people, I do hate Mexicans. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're not white, then then you're not an American. And I th- I feel like that that's now become, it's just sort of, it's out in the open now, and you can say it, and you can be proud of it. And I know so many people who, who um, I, I've had black friends being, being, Caught being racially abused uh, in the street, you know, like my wife is Latina, so we're, we're like, in certain areas, like, you know, you know she's afraid to go because of the Trump supporters. Uh, I also know other Latinos who've been spat at, um, racially abused, Asian Americans, Asia, I've got Asian American friends of mine as well who've been called racist, racist things in the street by Trump supporters. This wasn't happening five years ago, right? Because it wasn't socially acceptable to do so, but now it is. So I don't know, like it's a difficult one. I don't really know. I mean, I think we definitely need to sort of have a redo here. We need to like, you know, if Biden, you know, God willing, Biden gets in, this stuff needs to be, we need to make people who say this, these, these things complete outcasts. Like it's just not socially acceptable to racially abuse people in public. And it comes from the top down. Trump calling it the China virus, all the stuff that, you know, that you outlined. Right, this is where it comes from. We're just copying our leaders. He has made it okay to do all of this stuff. And his supporters, they, they take what he does as a signal. And, you know, it's just like with the mask thing. Trump does, how many Trump's supporters have we heard or, or read in news articles when reporters ask them, why aren't you wearing a mask? Because Trump doesn't wear one. So it starts at the top. He is unfortunately an example setter. And I say unfortunately because he's, the, he's a terrible role model. Normally, you would like to think you can look up to the president and you might disagree with his policies, but you would look to the president to just do the right thing in certain areas just as a human, like wearing a mask, like not being a racist, not screwing around on your wife. But we live in the Trump era, so that's, that's not a thing. It's not a thing. And, and also, you would like to think you would have a president who's not trying to steal the election. But that's not the case either. So That'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be nice. So this brings us to our next topic. Before we get to the question of whether you can support Trump and be a good person at the same time, the Senate adjourned without reaching a consensus on coronavirus relief, and they're not coming back until after Labor Day. You know, I'm glad these guys get $175,000 a year, what it is, whatever it is. They work so hard. You know, they, they work so hard. They're, they're taking a three-week vacation now as the, the extra unemployment benefits have uh, expired for about 30 million people. There's no nothing. They're at loggerheads over the extra $600 a week. Republicans say that's too much. 
They are arguing over aid to state and local governments. Democrats want more food assistance. Democrats want more. Republicans don't want uh, as much. And there's like zero chance there will be any meaningful aid for the U.S. Postal Service, which is in dire straits and is run by a Trump henchman named Louis DeJoy, who has overseen the deactivation of uh, sorting machines, according to Vice News. Vice says uh, they have a report and they say, quote, it says, um, quote, identified 19 mail sorting machines from five processing facilities across the U.S. that have either been already removed or are scheduled to be in the near future. But the Postal Service operates hundreds of distribution facilities around the country. So it is not clear precisely how many machines are getting removed and for what purpose. Even to local union officials, USPS has not announced any policy explained why they are doing this, what will happen to the machines and the workers who use them, nor has management provided a rationale for dismantling and removing the machines from the facility rather than merely not operating them when they're not needed, end quote. So, I mean, Trump is trying to steal the election. And he he said so Thursday. He was doing a phone interview with Maria Bartiromo on Fox Business and he was saying he doesn't want aid for the post office because that will facilitate the timely delivery of mail-in ballots. And he doesn't want that. And here's a direct quote from him. Now they need that money in order to make the post office work so it can't take all of these millions and millions of ballots, he said. He went on to say, but if they don't get those two items, that means you can't have universal mail-in voting. So that's the quiet part out loud again. People need to understand Donald Trump is going to try to steal this election any way he can because he views his electoral defeat as an existential threat to himself. And in a way it is because he views everything through the prism of winning and losing. For him, there is nothing worse than being a loser. And I have to believe this stems from some deep-seated psychological damage he probably incurred as a kid, thanks to his monstrous father. So the president has major daddy issues, can't lose. If he loses, that makes him a loser, and he can't have that, so he's going to try to do everything he can to win the election or steal the election. I wouldn't be surprised if on election night or within 24 hours of the last polls closing on election day, he declares victory no matter what. I don't think we're going to have a winner declared by then. I think a lot of states, they don't start counting their mail-in ballots until after the election. Some count them uh, as they come in, like Florida, but others don't. And a lot of people are going to be voting by mail, and who knows when or even if those ballots will be received before the deadline. Uh, It's probably going to be a mess, and I think Trump will use that window as an opportunity to declare victory. Or at the very least, if he's behind, we know he's going to say it's rigged. Uh, that, I mean, that it's just a certainty. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think that this is going to push the U.S. into very, 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 very dangerous territory. I was actually speaking to uh, my family in the U.K. about this, and um, they were asking me, "What did I think about this? What did I think about what was going to happen?" And like, you know, Trump's finally going to go. And, and I was saying, you know what? I don't think he's going to go. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that he's trying to rig the election. I think he's pretty clear he's trying to rig the election. Uh, he'll, yeah, he'll try to, everything he can to sabotage it so that he can win. Although not in Florida, apparently. Apparently, mail-in ballots are fine in Florida, where it benefits him, but not anywhere, anywhere else. I think that a lot of people don't 
and this is what I said about Trump from the beginning that that you can't underestimate this guy. What this guy is willing to do to stay in power and to keep power, he's willing to do literally anything. He's willing to do literally anything to to stay in power. I think that yeah, he's going to a try to sabotage it and b declare victory or call it or or c yeah um, say that the result is fraudulent, right? But then. What happens? What happens to America? I think that the people people are going to rise up. You know, this is my inkling that I think people have had enough of this. That every major city in America is going to go a- absolutely apeshit, um, and they're going to they're going to riot and protest until this guy leaves. It, or it's going to force some sort of god awful conflict. I you know, which I <laughs> don't necessarily think I want to be here for. I, I can see this going horribly wrong, and I but I, and I can't see the American pu- public taking it. And we do know, like one thing is absolutely for sure: even if the polls are wrong about about um, the general election, right, and that that Trump does, we we know that the only way Trump wins is through the swing states. We know that he's he cannot win the popular vote. It's impossible for him to win the popular vote. It, it, that's just not going to happen. I don't know. I could be wrong. What do, what are your thoughts on that? He definitely is not going to win the popular vote. He is going to try to hit that. I mean, it's cliche to say now, but everyone, they call his 2016 victory the inside straight that he was able to draw. But if this guy is declaring victory despite a lack of 270 electoral votes being put in his camp, if he is still in the White House on January 21st, under those circumstances, I am on a plane to Washington, D.C. I'm going there, and uh, there are probably going to be a lot of other people there outside the White House, outside of the many walls that he has <laughs> erected outside of the White House because he's, he feels insecure. We're going to demonstrate if that's the case, and, and people are going to demonstrate across the country. He, he should not be under the, those circumstances. He's supposed to be out. He is no longer president on January 20th. That, that's it. He doesn't get to stay beyond. Like, this is, it is insane that we even have to consider this scenario, but this is where we are. I, so to answer your question, I have no fucking idea, Ben. It's going to be chaos. We are going to have a constitutional crisis. The question is, how big will it be? Because there's going to be a time there after polls close on election night where if things aren't going Trump's way, he's going to call things into question. He's going to sow doubt and division. And we're all going to be just shrugging our shoulders, wondering like, okay, what now? What happens now? Like if he doesn't leave the White House, can the military go in like, and, and remove him? Does the Secret Service, can, can they remove him? Are they going to follow the Constitution and say, sir, you have to leave? You're no longer legally president? I, I, I have no idea. I have no earthly idea. But this, you know, I think one of the issues is that people don't truly appreciate how fragile democracy is, right? And how these rules that are supposedly written in stone, like you know, or written on a you know a, a parchment paper, that the constitution is just that. It's just a piece of paper, right? It it um it you know Trump has already shown that he doesn't give a shit about the constitution. Right, that he doesn't care about the rule of law. He's not interested in it. And this is the one thing that, you know, this is the common thread with dictators and fascists and authoritarian leaders throughout history is that they have zero regard for the, for the rule of law. They really don't. They really don't care about it whatsoever. It, it, and, and 
basically it's a it's a it's an agreement right democracy and the rule of law is an agreement between to between us all to say we agree that this is the fairest way to run society right and we all obey it because we all agree because people are willing to defend it people are willing to ultimately use force to defend to defend those principles but they have to be able they have to believe in it to to do it if someone comes along and and smashes that belief system right and says that you know up up is down and left is right and black is white you know and uh, uh what you're seeing on tv is not what's happening and what i'm saying you know don't believe anything anybody else says other than me you you sort of bend reality and once you bend reality you destroy you sort of destroy the truth right or you destroy the basis of you know of civil society right i i, I wrote actually a piece on this uh this week for the banter um on on all the anti-vax stuff and the um and the uh, uh, q and all this kind of thing and there was a great uh there was a great quote um from gary kasparov right the the former um uh, russian chess master and he said um uh, he was a you know, famous Russian dissident as well. Um, and he said, the point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or push an agenda. It is to exhaust your critical thinking, to annihilate truth. Uh, and, and that's what Trump has done. You know, He's annihilated the truth. So all of these things that we hold dear, democracy and the rule of law, the constitution, balance of power, et cetera, et cetera, d- these things can disappear. They can disappear and they can be ignored quickly, easily by someone who, who doesn't give a shit about them. And he has to have enough gutless cowards around him to enable him, which he does. He has it in spades. Like the Republican Party has shown itself to be completely complicit in everything Trump has done. They've not tried to stop him. Right. They refused to. Im- I mean, Mitt Romney was the only Republican in the Senate who voted for impeachment. Mitt Romney. That's it. I mean, it's it's completely crazy. The rest of them, the rest of the gutless, spineless cowards, didn't think that the articles. I mean, obviously impeachable offences. Obviously impeachable offences. I mean, first of all, the obstruction of justice. I mean, we don't need to rehash this, but it was so obvious that he attempted to obstruct the course of justice. Even if he wasn't trying to collude with the Russians, he tried to obstruct Congress in investigating him. That's an impeachable offence. You know, he's committed impeachable. I mean, he's threatened to postpone the elections or he's asked whether you can postpone the elections. That in itself is an impeachable offence. Nothing. Not a word from Republicans condemning it. Nothing. So I don't have much faith that the guardrails will hold up once this guy um, starts to, to push against them. And I think that, yeah, it's going to come down to people protesting. Like it's going to come like they might have to physically storm the White House or so, or at least have enough people surrounding the White House that it becomes untenable for him to stay there. So, yeah, I think we're in a whole shit heap of trouble. Well, you're forgetting one thing. You're forgetting what Susan Collins said when she voted not to convict Trump in the Senate. And that is, I think he's learned his lesson. So there's oh, yeah. that. Maybe yeah, he's he- learned his lesson. Yeah, Trump's attack on reality and facts and truth, I think, more than anything, and he is a really vile individual, I think for me, though, more than anything is his attack on reality. You know, like you, you basically, you quoted him, essentially, you know, what you're seeing and what you're hearing is not what's happening. And this, this gaslighting of the country and looking the country in the eye and saying something that not only do you know it to be untrue, you know that 
the country knows it to be untrue. And you say it anyway. But some of his supporters, they do take this stuff to heart. And if you can't agree on what reality is, you cannot even begin to address the problems that face the country, which are many, especially in the era of coronavirus. And the damage that this guy has done to the way we talk about reality, the damage he has done is incalculable. And it's going to be lasting. And I don't know how long it's going to last, but it's here to stay for a while. And I think that is his biggest sin is something that that can't really be measured and whose full effects just aren't going to be understood for a long time. And, And I think this segs into our our last segment here about whether you can be a supporter of Donald Trump and a good person at the same time. So Ben, I will put it to you. Can you support Donald Trump while also being a good person? No. Care to elaborate? Oh, sorry. You wanted me to elaborate on that. (laughs) No. Does it need elaboration? I don't know. I don't think it does. Personally, I think, you know, we're past the point now where you can excuse supporting Donald Trump. Yeah, there are very few exceptions, right? There are very, very few exceptions to the rule here. Uh, there used to be that saying that, like, I'm not saying all Trump supporters are racist, but all racists are Trump supporters. Okay, I mean, I don't think that goes anywhere near uh, as far enough, right? It, it's always worse, right? You, yeah, I think the, the majority of Trump supporters are racist. I think that there's actual evidence to support that um, as we talked about earlier in the uh in in the podcast that article from 2015 about trump supporters you know obama's a muslim and wasn't born in the country um you know to even believe that you have to have it it, you know it's clearly you know it's down to obama's skin color obviously the fact that you can call into question what he's saying he said if he's if obama says i'm a christian okay the case is closed but you know not if you're a trump supporter with with unbridled racism for you, but you you have to question him because he's black and he's not he's got a funny name, so therefore he he has to be a Muslim. Not that there's anything wrong with being Muslim either, of course. Um, but um, yeah, I think that now, so it's pretty clear that most Trump supporters are racist, and I think it's, there's a whole myth about Trump got elected uh, because he was uh, because of economic uncertainty. But I think there was a statistic out that the average income of a, of a Trump supporter or the the, the was something like over $75,000 a year, which makes you solidly middle class. So you're, a lot of the Trump supporters are not poor, but what they are is racist. And then, yeah, of course, all racists are Trump supporters. That goes without saying. I don't think any racist in America, uh, any white racist in America doesn't support Donald Trump. I think they love him. You know, he's supported by David Duke. You know, there's all, all, the, all, of, the, all of the hardcore white supremacist guys love Trump that that's that's not even in doubt right why obviously because trump says a lot of racist things and even if you're not a racist you're okay with racism it's not like a it's not like a sort of a you know okay there's a line drawn in the sand there i can't accept this guy because he's racist because he's saying this stuff right it's like for anybody else like a normal person trump's language is clearly racist so i can't support a racist but for a lot of trump supporters they're like ah yeah he's racist but i get tax breaks so that kind of makes you just as bad you're okay with racism you don't mind it as long as you get your tax break right 
I don't know if most Trump supporters are racist, but clearly they are all okay with racism. And so maybe that makes them racist by extension. I will push back a little bit. There definitely was, I think, an economic aspect to Trump's victory in 2016. Racism was a big part of it. But I do think, like, especially in the Midwest where just Factories are closing down. Jobs are going overseas. Economic malaise has been the default there for quite some time. And, you know, they heard all of this strong rhetoric from Trump about China and getting ripped off by China and other countries. I do think that may have been part of the equation. And I'll cite the state of Indiana. The state of Indiana in 2008 went for a black man named Barack Hussein Obama. Eight years later, they overwhelmingly went for Donald Trump. So like what happened in the meantime? Like did Indiana get that much more racist or was Trump's to, was Trump speaking to them in a way that resonated a kind of, you know, with their with their economic station in life? Yes, racism is part of the Trump experience. No doubt, but I don't think you can discount his his rhetoric on free trade in in 2016 and, and all that like that definitely hit some people hopefully this time around they don't get conned by it you know the situation in these states has not improved and so hopefully this time they don't get suckered in by his rhetoric but so yeah overall i don't think he can be a good person support trump at the same time i might carve out an exception for elderly people just because they're old and maybe aren't all there or they're relics from a different time. You know, I'm, I'm willing to cut them a little slack. But if you have your if you have your wits about you and, you know, you grew up in the post civil rights era, I really don't know what excuse you have to support this guy. And even just if you if you look at your own bottom line, you have rich Trump supporters, and we know why they support him, right? Because they've made out like bandits. So we know why a lot of rich people support Donald Trump. They're looking out for their bottom line. But for the vast majority of the country, Trump has done shit for their bottom line. And he's done even less for it in the pandemic, which has been prolonged, and this recession that has been prolonged because he refuses to do the right thing. And how people who have their wits about them, especially working class people who are being just hammered by the this horrible economy, how they can stand by and, and stick with this guy is crazy. And the guy's a racist, he's a sexist, and they want him to lead the country. So no, I'm sorry, you can't, you can't support Trump and be a good person. And I don't care how much you volunteer at your church's soup kitchen every week. If you want a racist maniac to run the country, I'm sorry. That disqualifies you from being a good person. You know, and the thing that kills me is that the biggest frauds in all of this, and we knew they were, they were frauds to begin with, are the evangelicals, the white evangelicals who overwhelmingly go for Donald Trump. They're all about morality and character counts in the Clinton years. And now you've got a walking seven deadly sins in the White House and they couldn't love him more. It's just funny because so often when I just see one of the nastiest, nastiest, like anti-Democrat, pro-Trump tweets online, sometimes I'll, like, I'll just say, who the hell is this person? 
and I will click on their profile, and the first thing in their bio says, proud follower of Christ. You know, often it will include a Bible verse. There's a guy, a guy, a, a child, I'll call him a child. His name is Ryan Fournier, and he is the co-chair of Students for Trump. And man, in his, his Twitter photo, he has got a Hitler youth haircut like you wouldn't believe. But anyway, he said, uh, I'll just give you a sample of one of his tweets. Tucker Carlson called Joe Biden's mind a decaying VHS cassette tonight, and he is 100% spot on, okay? And in this child's bio, he's verified on Twitter, by the way, he has a biblical verse that he cites, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, which says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. These people are so full of shit, it drives me crazy. Or are they just, are they play acting? Is this a giant troll? Like, what is this? I, man, listen, I don't know. I mean, look, look, I'll play devil's advocate again, right? I've spent a lot of time with Christian conservatives. I went to Oregon State University many, many years ago. Uh, I dated a fundamentalist Christian and spent a lot of time with them. And they were good people, right? They were definitely good people. Um, And their whole, you know, for them, abortion was like the main thing, right? That they they were kind of concerned about. You know, obviously, my liberal self, my sort of liberal instincts are sort of like, okay, I can't even... There's no basis for us to even have a discussion. But obviously, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out where they were coming from. And I got to see, I'm like, okay, they're not bad people, right? They just, this is a genuine belief. Um, they don't, you know, they're willing to put the money where their mouth is. You know, they, they've, you know what I mean? They put money into adoption centers. They would take like heroin addicts off the street and like clothe them and feed them and house them. They had a heroin addict uh, living with them for a long time. Like, you know, they believed that social welfare was their responsibility and not the state. So there was a whole sort of different philosophy. And they voted Republicans on that single issue. That was the most important issue, right, was was abortion. And there are Trump supporters who do that. They vote on a single issue. Trump is anti-abortion, or so he claims, uh, and they vote for him because of that. Does that make you a bad person? I don't know. Well, like, you say, well, you said it does. I mean, we, you started this conversation by saying, yes, it does make you a I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm playing devil's advocate. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. Like, it, it's, you know what I mean? I'm putting it out there. I'm trying to see things from a different perspective if I can. Well, you know, okay. So my retort to that would be uh, the abortion thing, to me, that's not about life. That's about controlling women's bodies. The evangelicals in this country, by and large, have a very patriarchal view of society and how it should work. I mean, if these people are so pro-life, why are they opening up their churches? Why are they going maskless? Like some of the most ardent supporters of reopening and not wearing masks and not social distancing that I'm seeing are Southern pastors. Where's the pro-life there? And why is it that the evangelicals were some of the most ardent supporters of the Iraq war? Wars of choice. Let's let's throw bodies into the Middle East. Dead Iraqis, dead Americans. And why is it that the states that have the most restrictive anti-abortion laws in the country have the worst infant mortality rates? Louisiana, Alabama, Arkansas, they Mississippi, 
they hate abortion, but yet apparently they can't be bothered to give adequate health care to new moms and their newborns. So these people are full of shit. They're full of shit, and they support the death penalty, which, hey, I don't, I don't care what happens to a serial killer. I do not give a shit. But that's not really being pro-life. I, I think these people are full of it. The things they say in, in a lot of instances just are completely the, the antithesis of what Jesus taught in the Gospels. For a lot of these Christians, it's, like, it's almost like there is no New Testament. And they're only going by the Old Testament. Like uh, the anti-homosexuality, Jesus said nothing about that. Said nothing about abortion. Said nothing but bad things about rich people. Do we think Jesus was a capitalist? You know, could you see Jesus advocating that we lower the top marginal tax rate for individuals and corporations? Could you see him weighing in and saying that the capital gains rate in this country is too high? No. The only thing he really said about (laughs) taxes was, you know, when he was asked in, I think it was Luke, should we pay taxes? And he asked to see a coin and there's Caesar's head on it. And he says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God's what is God's. So look, I know people do good things, right? So it's like good people do bad things on occasion. I mean, we all, we all do bad things to varying degrees, you know, like we'll, we'll lie. We maybe cheat at golf or something like that or what, or whatever, but those things don't necessarily make us bad people, but, but there, there's certain things, there's a threshold, like there's something or some things that you have to do, right? Where we, this nebulous, we say, all right, that's beyond the line. This makes you a bad person. I don't know where that line is. For me, though, I will say wanting to keep in the most powerful position in the world one of the most malevolent people who has ever existed, to me, that's over the line. And that's in the realm of making you a bad person, despite whatever good deeds you have done, because the ramifications of that are just so grave. And a lot of people have gotten hurt. A lot of people have died, as we talked about with the pandemic. This is all easily preventable, but he just keeps going on and going on and downplaying things and being a racist. And there are millions of people in this country who look at that and say, that's okay. And I'm sorry, but if you're okay with that, you're not a good person. Yeah, I you know, I ultimately I agree. I think that it's gone too far now and you have to be willfully ignorant and uh and and really not a good person to see what's in front of your nose. And look, you know, one of the principles of Christianity, right, is per, or supposedly of conservatism and Christianity is taking responsibility. Right? You've got to take personal responsibility for things. Uh, I don't see a lot of that happening. I don't see a lot of Christian evangelicals taking responsibility for what they've uh, subjected the rest of the country to. Right, I don't see a lot of personal responsibility from Republicans um, uh, for what they've put the country through by supporting this lunatic. So, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, right, yeah, you know, if you support Trump still, you're not a good person. You know, case closed. So one quick little point, and maybe this can be another podcast. I will disagree with you that Christianity is about taking personal responsibility. It is the exact opposite of that. It is about one man taking on the sins of humanity so that they could be saved. 
There's that. Oh, in one ver- yes. In that, I mean, obviously, there are lots of different interpretations of Christianity, but yeah, generally speaking, like I mean, we can get the history of that is kind of interesting. Read, reading a book on that actually uh, about the melding of kind of Greek philosophy with uh, ancient um, sort of tribalistic Jewish beliefs. Um, and how they kind of came up with this idea that you, you, all you had to do was believe in Jesus to get to heaven. Um, so yes, that is one definitely the sort of dominant kind of idea in Christianity that you, you don't really all you have to do is get Jesus to forgive you or believe in Jesus and you're saved. But of course, you know, like anything, there are a million different schools of thoughts, uh, schools of thoughts, and they all disagree with each other. So I think it's it maybe for another podcast. Yeah, no, I, I really think we should do that podcast on religion because you and I have different views on this and we've talked about it and we've had some pretty lively discussions. So I think that could make for some entertaining listening and hopefully informative as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, listen, on that, though, I think uh, we've covered enough. Um, look, Kamala Harris, vice president, it's a good thing. I think is energizing uh, the party. I think that you can be happy about that. Uh, obviously, in what's a pretty bleak time right now for everyone, um, it's some, you know, look, it's it's energy that the, the uh, Biden campaign um, definitely can utilize. And that's, that's a good thing. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, please subscribe. Um, make sure you sign up to the newsletter. If you'd like to read, uh, uh, if you'd like to get access to premium articles on the banter, um, you can do so in this email. You can look at the nice jolly red button uh, and you'll get a discount. You get two months free uh, of a subscription to the band so you can try it for free. Uh, if you don't like it, you can cancel any time. Uh, and on that note, I'll say goodbye from me and I hope you all um, have a restful Sunday. And Mike, anything from you? Wear a mask, vote, don't be a jerk. Yep, yeah, exactly. Good. Well said, my friend. Okay, everyone, take care. Bye-bye.